This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Um, so, a huge thanks to everybody um, who is listening, who is there. Thank you very much for joining us, Tom. A pleasure to see you. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And so, Suji, could you tell us something about yourself? Sure, um, I'd be happy to. I, I usually start at the beginning because um, the start of my life kind of helps to understand why, like my my journey and my path. So I mm-hmm. am truly a global citizen. My dad is Indian, my mother is American. I was born in New Delhi and uh, I lived in Indonesia, the US and Pakistan by the time I finished high school. So I really had this idea that um, we're wow. all, part of this little planet and we we um we all belong uh to it in ways that cross national borders and that cross um uh, you know the usual boundaries that we're used to looking at and then after um I did my uni in um Virginia in the US I worked uh in the US for quite a few years and then I taught in China and Malaysia and then most recently I've worked on and off in the Philippines. So that's kind of a, all the places I've worked. And then my my degree was in uh, library science and I was a librarian for many years. Uh, oh, first hang at on. The, the, I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt you. There's a degree for library science because that sounds like the best thing in the world. It is the best degree. And it's called a master's in science in library and information. And um, I did mine in Washington, D.C. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> it's, um, it's pretty fun. My mother was a librarian for the National Library of the U.S., the Library of Congress. Um, and I, I guess it's just genetic. I wanted to be like her. So I did the same degree. So if I were to ask you what's your favorite smell, it would definitely be books. Books for sure, except maybe like I don't know, popcorn, yeah. <laughs> popcorn and books together. Yeah, oh, that's good. Like an ori- the original movie, you know. Um, anyway, I interrupted you when you got to to talking about your fantastic de- degree. To be honest, um, I took you off course, so I'm going to put you back on course. You studied no your degree in library science, and then I joined the Smithsonian Institution in Washington D.C. for eleven years. Um, at first, as a um, what they call a systems librarian. So kind of a techie slash um, librarian kind of, you know, in the early days when we still had mainframes and I'll age myself there a little bit. And um, after the Smithsonian, I wanted to work in schools because then I had two small boys, my my sons. And so through a series of events, I started working in a school library in um, Virginia. And then in 2008, I went overseas and started teaching in an international school in China. 
And after four years there, I moved to Malaysia. And during my time as a primary librarian in the International School of Kuala Lumpur, I um, was, you know, honored with the position of the what was called the Service Learning and Sustainability Coordinator. And I, I think that's a pretty pivotal moment in my in my trajectory because that's when I started kind of really working with. I've always done service, um, no matter where I've been, but. Um, I really saw how integrating it into the school's curriculum and everything could be really powerful if done correctly. And I really, I was really motivated by that. And so in 2019, I quit and just to see what the world would bring me. And through a mutual friend, I was introduced to Tom Graham, who started um, Mad Travel along with Raf Dionisio in the Philippines. And um, over the years, uh, that's, now where I work and I'm a co-founder of Mad Courses, which is the, the evolution of Mad Travel after COVID. There you go. Um, a potted history of your entire <laughs> life. Wow. That I tell you what, I bet you've got a fair few stamps in that passport, haven't you? Um, yeah. <laughs> although that's a touchy subject for me now because whenever, wherever I go in Europe, I have to get a stamp in there, which doesn't feel good for me. Um, but you oh. know let's not bring brexit into this um so, <laughs> okay so that's kind of your you know your life and education journey and and you know it all makes a lot of sense you know when you when you see it in that way um and that whole you know jumping in to see where life takes you is, is such a a fun and exciting and terrifying thing to do um i you know i have to I have to admit, it's uh, it can be fun, but it can also be terrifying. Uh, but it's brought you to a fun place, uh, a good place, um, and a useful totally. place. Uh, and I was I was saying before um, that we met, <laughs> we met in Paris, didn't we? Yes, at Change Now conference, which was such a joy to meet you there. It was like for, for me, I only made it for the for the last day. Well, the last afternoon in the last day so I, I was speaking elsewhere beforehand um and just even in that short time the air of positivity was incredible now i know that climate news isn't particularly positive let's be honest um but the air of positivity and solutions that were that were in there that were being thrown out there was it was brilliant and and for me you know the people that i met there there, there were quite a few but there were a few that really personified that whole idea of solutions and, and you know, positivity. One of them was yourself. Um, and it was from that instant moment that Matty, actually, who's, who was another one of those people who, who introduced us, just this instant moment of seeing somebody who's like, oh, she really cares. Like, there was just this, I don't know, you give off this caring vibe, but not just about, <laughs> oh, she cares about the planet, oh, she cares about this, she cares about that. It seems like you cared about everything, really. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes to my own detriment, but I think that's something that I really try to keep in mind. Harry is like, I was reading just the other day, yesterday, an article about Bella Lack. She's a, a youth activist that I'm sure many of our listeners have heard about. And um, the opening quote from the article, I think it was in The Guardian, said, you know, it's not the interviewer asked her what, you know, how do you remain positive and hopeful? And 
she said, well, you know, what's the alternative to just give up? And I don't think that's our alternative. And I don't think it's a healthy um, dichotomy. So I think for me, this ability to use our energy and use our connections to do what we can, regardless of whether things look good or whether things look terrible, is just it's just a choice we make because the other choice is really bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, even if things are terrible, what we can do is certainly make that terrible less terrible. You know, exactly. we can do that. We can you can go out there, we can try and make a difference and make the terrible less terrible. And hopefully it won't be terrible. I agree. And so often there've been these like doomsday horror, you know, like we were all gonna, I don't know, whatever sizzle because of the ozone, the hole in the ozone. And not that that magically went away by itself. It was a concerted effort of governments and grassroots and uh, all the people that, that stayed pot, you know, everybody had just been like, oh, you know, we're so out of luck. And thrown in the towel and and the people who didn't are the ones who made the difference so i think it's just something to bear in mind yeah i like what you said like don't give up and it, even if it is terrible make it less terrible what yeah. what, what are yeah. other options you know <laughs> just to mope yeah. that, that example of the ozone layer is perfect because i've heard that be used by climate deniers saying oh Look, you said the ozone, it's like, no, this is exactly the answer. Like, they found what the problem was, and they stopped it. They stopped using CFCs straight away. They stopped, they stopped it, um, and, and that was it. There, was, there were no more. And, and the ozone layer repaired, government banned it. Suddenly, you know, we fixed it. So it's like, hang on. Yes, I know it's not as simple as just saying turn off fossil fuels. You know, okay, it's not. Um, there are other ways around it, of course. Um, there are other issues that we need to deal with as well. Um, but, you know, not looking for more fossil fuels would be a good start. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm starting a series on home connection speed and getting the best performance. Everybody wants the best performance for their devices at home, with more and more things needing the internet or a home network connection to provide interactivity and additional functionality, ensuring you can get a good connection is essential. Most people use Wi-Fi as their home setup, so I'll start with this and also try and explain basically how a home network works. First, let's understand what devices are doing when you add them to your Wi-Fi network. Wireless Fidelity, or Wi-Fi as it's commonly known, is a high-frequency signal that's being invisibly transmitted around your home. If you have access to the signal, you can send and receive data. This is what your phone, laptop, 
tablets, internet-enabled TV, wireless alarms, even some door locks and fridges are connecting through to communicate and most of the time use the internet to add functionality to your ever-growing smart home. The more devices you have, the more demand is placed on your network to transmit data. Comparing your home network to the network of corridors in your school and throwing in some geeky tech words, bandwidth is the size of the corridor and dictates how much traffic or people that can be handled. Classrooms are the devices and the staff and pupils are the data the devices need. Using the school as a physical example of a network, during lesson time when everybody's in place, it's easy to travel around the network of corridors and people or data can travel at normal walking speed or faster if you're feeling the need to. On lesson change or at break time, lots of people need to be somewhere else. Pupils need to walk slower, follow rules such as walking on a certain side or in a certain direction, doorways create queues and the journey from A to B during this time can take considerably longer. This is due to the physical constraints of the corridor. It cannot get any bigger, so people need to move slower. Comparing this to your home network, bandwidth is the amount of data that can be sent at a given time. It's measured in bits per second, a bit being a one or a zero. That's binary, the computer's language. So a one megabit bandwidth means one million ones and zeros can be transmitted in a second. If you decide to look up your Wi-Fi speed, you'll find some really interesting facts, but also risk being sent to sleep. A modern Wi-Fi network on paper is capable of transmitting 1,300 megabits per second. That's 1 billion 300 million ones and zeros every second. Oh wow. There are, however, loads of factors to consider, the main one being the number of devices sharing the bandwidth at a given time. Over this series, I'll be looking at what you can do to help you get the best performance from your home network. For now, I hope you're beginning to understand what's happening on your home network and why at busy times it can slow down. Today's takeaway tip is if you need good performance, then make sure other devices are not reducing the bandwidth that you are receiving. If this has given you food for thought, I'd love to hear from you. Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you want Want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, You'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Now, something that really got me, I, I was delighted with the, the new bill in the States um, signed, the climate the climate bill and the uh, inflation. I thought it was fantastic, really, really good stuff, a positive step, and a huge smile came over my face when that happened. Um, it dropped a bit when I remembered that they didn't also say, and we're absolutely going to stop digging for fossil fuels as well, because that would have just been like, bam, there you go. We're That's investing fine. this money because we're not looking for any more. But they're like, we're still looking for more, but we are doing this as well. So it should make it less terrible. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's something I think about a lot is kind of the, you know, when you're when you're striving to educate, not just young people, but, you know, like right now we're also working with um, corporates to help. Um, educate their employees about some of the sustainability issues of, of the moment. And so, yeah, from youth to adult, it's kind of, 
it's a, it has to be approached on different levels. Um, and I believe with this idea of positivity at all levels, like we really work every day. My whole team strives to take the negativity and I can give a very, um, you know, specific example of that later if we get there, but we try to build this around this idea of positive change and positive global action. And, and I think the, the thing that we really need to think about too, is this idea of mindset. Like for me, that's a, that's kind of the cornerstone of what we're trying to do. Yes, we can teach you to change and modify your behaviors or to engage in activism or to whatever. But I think when I really think about why I'm here and what I'm trying to do is to change a mindset and that whole, yeah, we'll do all these things, but we'll still explore for oil is, um, for me, it's the root of it is a mindset change that needs to happen. And and that's the hardest thing to change. Yeah. Now it's funny you say that, uh, a lesser presenter certainly wouldn't say at this moment that they have their own teacher training course, which is called creating a greener mindset. Um, I definitely wouldn't say that, but it is something that I have done. And I, I'm com- I do completely agree with you um, with that, Suji. It, it, it really is a mindset thing. And that's one of the things about education. That's one of the things that, that we can do as educators, as you know, um, materials creators, as all of these different things. We can, we can change mindsets. We can help people develop their mindset. We can help, particularly... You know, when we go in, I'm not going to say we're just kids. Obviously, it's easier to influence a child's mindset. You know, it's much more malleable. It's much more prepared. But when you go into a business, for example, um, and you have students at this business, their mindset is going to change if it shows that, you know, actually you're going to make a positive impact. And with that, you're going to make more money as well. Like, let's be honest, people are motivated by that. But there are all these different ways that we can change our mindset. Um, and having a greener mindset just it, it's just better agreed i agree and i think i agree with you that education is where mindsets are generally changed like we don't we we can do i, I don't know whatever a a beach cleanup or a soup kitchen day and i think those are really important but i think when we start teaching um, students of all ages to think in systems and to to really look deeper than just the short term outcomes of their behavior and look to the, you know, like I think one example I use a lot when I'm when I'm talking with um, people in our courses is um, the mindset of convenience. <laughs> like things should just be convenient. It's my birthright. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something we have to relearn. Like sometimes taking care of the planet is inconvenient. You might have to carry your own water bottle. You might have to be thirsty for a little while. You might have to, I don't know, take some time to message your representative in government. Like I think this idea that, I mean, because our society has made a lot of money off of making life convenient for you, right? So yeah. it's kind of like, well, there's times in which it's important to um, allow inconvenience. And and that's just one example. I I could definitely go on, but I think it's things like that where when you understand the, the 
bigger picture and the context into which your actions fall, then that inconvenience seems less inconvenient. And I, and I think that's where education, we can really, we can have um, a pretty big influence on those mindsets. But yeah, you can really, there are a lot of things that they're inconvenient, particularly at first. You know, um, I remember when I stopped eating meat, it was, it was inconvenient because I didn't know what to do. I didn't have anyone there helping me. I didn't know how, I, and I was like, I really like meat. It tastes really good, but it's not great for the planet. And the animals aren't exactly treated with a huge amount of respect, you know. But for me, the first step was like, it was it was simple. It was stop like dairy, and then from that, it was stop eating beef. And you know, it, it came quite easily because as you're going through this process, you're making this inconvenience less inconvenient. Right. Um. I mean, things like obviously going to the supermarket with your own plastic, without a plastic, with your own bag, you know, that's not an inconvenience, you know, it's in your car, you know, they're just, um, and that whole changing mindset thing goes all the way into the people at the supermarket desk as well, like not offering it to start with and, and so right. on. So, um, yeah, we can really develop uh, these inconveniences to become not so inconvenient. That um, is a really, yeah, that's a really nice way of looking at it. Like in can, habits are just habits. And when you build them, you can change just little by little. It doesn't have to be a sea change overnight where you're like, oh my gosh, this is disrupting my entire lifestyle. You can just take it a little by little and see where it falls in the bigger picture and be ready. I think the readiness is something that I really um, found interesting where, you know, like I made a vow that I was just not going to ever buy water in a plastic bottle. And, and there were times where I was thirsty and, and I was like, okay, but I'm ready to be thirsty now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for this inconvenience. Obviously I'm not going to put myself in mortal danger, but. <laughs> well, the good but, thing uh, is you can go into like a bar or something. You can get a, a cup of water or something like that. But a lot of people don't think of that. They think, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, just, just do it. Just go in there and ask for water. If they say no, it'd be like, really? You're not going to give me a glass of water? Come on. Usually they will. You know, right. it's, and if they try and sell you a bottle, you can say, well, no, I don't actually buy water um, in bottles that are plastic at least. Um, but yeah, it, it's a bit annoying at first, but you know, there are things that you can easily get around. There are more difficult changes to make. Um, Absolutely. The, the further you like look into it, for example, um, banking you don't know whether your bank is a green bank or not at first and you know, it, it gets very complex but so the bank that, that we ha had a mortgage with I got because the old school I worked I had a deal with the bank so we're tied to this bank forever now um basically uh and, until we, a mortgage is literally a death pledge isn't it that's what it, uh, it translates <laughs> as so yeah I'm here with this bank um but they're not the worst bank in the world. They're not the best bank, but they're not the worst bank. Um, and yeah, so those things are, are so much more difficult to change. Um, yeah. But the small habits, the the things like that, we can really get into our education system. And it's something I'm, I'm doing in September with, with Renewable English is I'm doing a sustainable September. And it's just an idea for every day, a simple, easy inconvenience that they could have that they can try out on that day you know just give it a shot let's go see if we can go through and there'll just be a few guidance videos see if we can do it get these ideas um 
I love and it that turns idea. out some of the inconveniences actually are quite convenient. Like, don't wash your clothes every single time you wear them. Now, obviously, if you're stinky and sweaty, like I can be, <laughs> yes, you're going to need to wash them. But, you know, you don't need to wash your right. jeans that often. And so one of the challenges is wear the same clothes two days in a row. Like, it's not that hard. You know, as long as you haven't been eating spaghetti or something. Um, <laughs> Well, she didn't make a huge mess, right? Just turn it yeah. inside out, right? That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I love it. Turn your jacket inside out. It'll be fine. <laughs> That's what I told my kids when they were little. <laughs> no, I think that's true. Simultaneously, I do have to say that I've, I'm feeling more and more lately this call to um to engage more people in activism that asks for more more widespread societal change that goes beyond changing your personal habits because like Absolutely. we said there's there's a system in which we work and it is geared towards a non-circular you know a, a linear waste making model and i think until we put pressure on the people you know responsible for that in all different realms companies governments whatever it may be consumers i think um we can all you know turn off the water when we brush our teeth till we're all you know blue in the face and it ain't gonna it ain't gonna make the same kind of impact as demanding that some of the producers of these these issues change their their ways and, yeah, you know, super simple things like, um, you know, let's say you go into a supermarket and next to the milk sections, each one has how much water they use to produce a litre. Something simple like that. Or you go into a fashion outlet and they they put uh, they each each Brenda, each item of clothing. Sorry, I've got Spanish. Term. I love that um, idea. Each one has on the label. Why not just yeah. put on its, its impact to the planet? Like it's not that Love hard, it. and it's there. That's something that could easily be made a law, like overnight. That's some, overnight. there you go. It has to be on there. You know, you have to give an approximation of that carbon footprint. Or shops have to put, I don't know, the average pair of jeans uses fifteen thousand liters of water to water the cotton. Like these simple things that, you know, as educators, we do this with our students. You know, but it can only go so far. That message yeah, can only reach a certain lead. number. Whereas if it's there in the shop, staring at you in the face, if you walk in there, you're going to just go, I might not buy that. And, and why not have a secondhand section in your shop? Oh. Why not they, you make your money back anyway. They bring the, the items of clothing from the store back to the store and they say, here's a secondhand bin. And there you go. They sell it for a euro more than they got. They're making a profit. They're saving the planet. They can greenwash there to their hearts, content with that. <laughs> like it, But it's something that, you know, why isn't it being done? And, and as I say, we can put these ideas into our students' heads, but unless our students yes. are running H&M, not to name <laughs> names or point fingers, then, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to make a huge difference. Now, in a moment, I'm going to ask you some more about make a difference. Okay. For that, I'm just going to tell you, with a Slack group are a leading provider of specialist education and care. They need people like you to help them achieve even more. 
At Witherslack, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression and rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. Witherslack currently have some fantastic career opportunities available to apply for. Check out witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. Um, and I'm back with you, Suji. Did you see that? That was seamless, wasn't it? It was beautifully um, done, Harry. There you go. <laughs> you see, it, it's it's sad that I was ready for the ads not to be working. Um, I'm going to blame August. I'm just going to say that the, the platform's on holiday for me in August. And, uh, <laughs> and come September, everything will be, you know, all hands on deck. Um, I love for, it. Exactly. It's good in these conditions. It's good to, to, you know, learn how to sweat a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> I've, I've definitely learned how to do that. Um, so make a difference. You you did briefly mention earlier. Um, it came from from mad travel uh, and became mad courses. Um, but um, what is it? Yeah, what is it? Okay, let me. Who are you anyway, Suji? Who are you? What have you done with your life? Um, I'll start at the at the very beginning, as lovely Fraulein Maria would say. And um, so, I, I mentioned that I met Tom Graham via a mutual friend of ours through this. Just you know how those things work out in the universe, where you're just um, at a cafe and your friend pops by and they ask you what you're doing and you say, "Well, I'm quitting my job," and they're like, "Oh, what are you gonna do?" And you're like, "Oh, I have no idea." <laughs> and then they say, uh, "Let me introduce you to my friend." Oh, and guess what? He's gonna be in town uh, three days from now. And then you meet at Brussels Beer Cafe in Kuala Lumpur, and oh, I was got, so I love it when it just falls into your lap like that. You're like, "Please send me it. a sign." sign thank you yep and so tom and i had a a lovely conversation and and tom once you meet tom you'll know like he showed up with his computer and a you know powerpoint presentation and told me all about why i should join the mad team and um make a difference started um in the philippines as a socially responsible and regenerative tourism company where essentially you would travel to a community and engage in some sort of restorative behavior. So like our main partners, our business partners um, are an indigenous tribe in Zambales in the Philippines that um, through a series of events, we, we recognized that they needed help with reforestation of their, what they call the ancestral domain, the, the land mm -hmm. given to them as the indigenous peoples. And, um, you know, at first, Raf, the co-founder, um, Raf Dioniso, he was like, oh, we'll do a GoFundMe and we'll, we'll um, raise a bunch of money. And the chieftain of the tribe at that time said to Raf, like, I don't want your money. I don't need more money because um, the people, you know, that that are around at the moment, it's it's not it's a disruptive uh, way of helping us. They'll put more load on their um, SIM cards and they'll, you know, buy some cigarettes and nothing against the, the people that in there, but the chieftain was like, I've just seen this play out and I know this is not going to be good. And so Raf said, what do you need? And he said, well, we need seeds or seedlings because the Philippines government is supposed to provide us with these 
um, but but they don't. The government program is, you know, as we may imagine, not as efficient as it should be. Interesting. So, uh, yeah. And so Raf listened and he then Tom and Raf came up with this idea that travelers would come there. We started something called Seed Nation and people would we would go to companies or and we would do a smoothie workshop. They would save their seeds from making calamansi watermelon smoothies or whatever. And then we would take the seeds and plant them. What? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. That is brilliant. Yeah, it was that was part of the model. There's other parts of this model too. And um the fees that the travelers would pay to take this gorgeous hike. Like I've been out there four times and it's just stunningly beautiful. A hike out to the nursery, plant one seedlings, and then mm-hmm. um have lunch served by the tribe and and we pay the tribe to do that. So it's a very the the thing that really convinced me in that cafe talking to Tom was this idea of social entrepreneurship that I really actually had no idea about. I did not understand what a social business was. I didn't. And then when he described this model of interacting with the tribe as business partners and and mutually benefiting partners like we benefit because we have a travel business and you benefit because one we bring you seeds two we pay you for your services we treat you as experts as you know you understand how to reforest your land we um pay you for that expertise there was no charity there was there was a power balance there was no white saviorism or parachute in parachute out we were there for the long term we we involved them um they, I should say, they involved us in their planning, Absolutely, yeah. and and it was just, it just overcame so many um, of the pitfalls of service and and um, development that I had seen in the past. That I was just, um, I was enthralled, and I wanted to be part of it. And so I started going to Manila, and working on um, school programs that mimicked this, but but with schools because that's my background as an educator and then um we we realized also and this is how we get to mad courses we realized even before covid came that a lot of our travelers showed up with a lack of knowledge about the community about the philippines about the colonial history the mindset it's that mindset that we were talking about earlier and um we wanted to create some online content that they could view before they came on our trips to make them more aware and more able to serve in a genuine fashion. And so I started working on that. And then when COVID hit, we were like, Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to need more of that because yeah, they can't actually come at the moment. Um, I, 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 it blows my mind that that idea and i i love that it isn't just like you know here you go have some money it's here's an opportunity to earn some money but we'll also be helping provide you with the things that you need like you know you need exactly. these seeds you know so i'm not going to give you money for seeds that you then don't spend on seeds and then you even feel guilty about not spending it on seeds and you you know so i've given you this money to reforest your land but you haven't done it so it's your fault anyway no you're not doing that. You're giving them the chance to earn money. You're giving them the, the opportunity. They're 
like inviting you in and letting other people learn about them and learn about their ways, which can only can only be a good thing. It, it's a really beautiful thing. Actually, I, on the trips that I went to, you saw an opening of minds about the the positives of the way these these tribes live and the not just like, oh, you know, they're poor or, oh, they live far away from services or whatever you see. Like I call the their children the seed bank because these are children that have grown up with no devices. They're so tied to the land. They're so in tune with nature. They know how to make fun. We just sit there and watch them having fun. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. And so um, I think, yeah, the, the reciprocity and the learning from them as experts and, and, you know, the people who are on the ground doing it was really, for me, the critical element of how we were working that made me s s sign on and stay on. So, um, so COVID it started, well, it didn't start COVID. It continued COVID it grew. Um, so what do you do now? Well, then, um, through, um, again, another, you know, beautiful circumstance, a be beautiful, um, what do they call it? Uh, serendipity i guess um, yeah, or... serendipity yeah um tom again was connected with um somebody who worked at a company called wirewax and they do interactive videos and what we were finding is that we could connect students to our tribe via you know live zoom links or even recordings or whatever but it was really not scalable and we were really wanting to to um, one, create more community impact, but also introduce what we've been learning about the tribe to more people. So Tom and the fellow from Wirewax came up with this really fun idea to make an interactive video adventure of Zambales. So we went out there and we filmed it. Raf's the star, he's the guide, and then three of the community members are the, the real stars. Um, Ate Husna, who's like a mother and businesswoman in the community, Chieftain Gabriel, um, who who really he he left and then he came back to the tribe and and so he can speak really beautifully about why it's a place he wanted to to live and to be a part of, and then Lolo Doyong, who's this elder of the tribe, who's a master um, boat. What do you call that boat? Archer, that's the word. There you go. <laughs> over there helping me out. <laughs> and um, so the students or the participants in the interactive adventure basically click on a choice and it takes you to that part of the video. And then you can click on maps or overlays and, and learn more about the tribe. And uh, so that was great. And we, we used it with, you know, thousands of of students of all ages at this point, and it was going really well. And then in another, we, we seem to really thrive on serendipity. Wirewax was bought by Vimeo, and now Vimeo is, we just met with them in their um, London headquarters, and um, we're, there's nothing finalized, so I probably can't say too much about it now, but we're- yes, I, don't, I don't want to risk anything for you. No, I don't want you to get but, in trouble. 
Yeah, but I think it's I, I think it's not anything super secret, but that um, Vimeo and Mad are working now to create um, kind of a next level up uh, interactive adventure, uh, and all of our um, adventures kind of highlight the sustainable development goals and how the different aspects of the people they meet and the places they go tie to the different sustainable development goals. So obviously like reforestation would deal with SDG 13 climate action or 15 life above land, um, but also reduce inequalities for people from indigenous cultures. So we, we try to really highlight the SDGs. And so the next one we're making is very, very exciting in a community in the Philippines in Batangas called Lobo. And it's, um, it's a pioneering community that's doing fisheries, mangrove and farm um like sustainably combining those three elements to um improve their entire ecosystem and it's it's incredible i was lucky enough to go there in june and it's it's awesome <laughs> so so this is this is really exciting for, for what's coming up um so i'd like to know like i absolutely adore this idea of, of joining and going in with my class and going on this this interactive journey um what what does it give to the students like who are learning from it what's what's the what's the takeaway for the students um i know it, it will obviously raise awareness for indigenous people and but there's always that kind of disconnect as it were you know this is why i love the idea of interactive because you get more into it you learn the people a bit bit more and it's not just you know a page in a course book which you know you can always see in the classroom when it's just one page in a course book they look at it they go oh no that's really sad next page oh look it's all about cheese rolling in gloucestershire and then turn the next page oh i don't know it's you know so it, it just it gets passed over really quickly. So this interactive side of it really, it can help students get to know um, the the indigenous communities a lot better. But what do you hope they take away from it in their classrooms? That is such a great question. And it's one obviously that we've been asking ourselves because there's so many things we would actually like for them that we can't pick all of them. And so the I think there's kind of two separate things going on. The, the one thing that we feel about the interactive nature of the video is that it does two things. One, it's that it allows students of different learning styles, whatever, to proceed at their own pace and make their own choices. So that's always good as an educator that, mm -hmm. you know, that can never be bad to um, give students choices in their in self-paced learning. Um, the other thing it allows them to do is kind of really dive into this world and someday we probably would love to do this in VR. And um, so I think for, from a teacher's perspective, what it does for the, the students is it just pulls them in. It pulls them into these topics and it engages them in a way like, I can't give you all the secrets of how we're, we're of making course, it of course, really of course. interesting, but it's going to be, um, it's going to be a world that they really want to dive into and um, immerse themselves in, and um, and they can do that at their own pace. So that has to do more with the 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 technology and the interactivity. But the the mm -hmm. videos themselves, 
For me as an educator, Harry, I think if the students could walk away with, with only one thing, for me, what it would be is this realization that these are global issues. These, mm -hmm. we live on a really tiny little planet. And although we feel often disconnected, we are not, we are all tied together. And so when we show you how a community is combating climate change through mangrove restoration or how they are increasing their livelihood by by managing their fisheries um what we would love for students to take away is how does this global issue affect me in my community and what can i do what can what what local action can i take so in a positive way not like oh no ah the world is on fire i have to do something more like look here are some positive inspiring people who are doing amazing things and i can join that that idea of of the same problem it might be climate change it might be livelihood it might be whichever aspect uh, that you're you're thinking about i can do something about it as a change maker as a as a member a global citizen a member of humanity so that if there was just one thing that we could ask these adventures to do um it would be that i think there's other things other learning goals that obviously we'd love to use it for language learning we'd love to learn it for just like pulling students into geography lessons in a more engaging way and that thing but in the end if if it only could do one thing i would i would hope for it to kind of create this idea of creating positive I can go back to, <laughs> to the name of our company. <laughs> no, it's, it's brilliant. No, I, I really like the um I really like this idea of, of really um getting in, getting involved and being able to see it because what it can also do is show some of those inconveniences we were talking about earlier that these inconveniences have been created but not they're not actually inconveniences, but we've been given convenience to prevent, you, you know what I mean? So you, you look at the, the situation of somebody who has to go and, and get their own water or somebody who has to be an expert archer to be able to eat. Like, you know, not, you, you know, you see people go down to the shop, they'll look, oh no, the sell by date's tomorrow. So I can't buy this because I won't be able to leave it in my fridge for two weeks before thinking about throwing <laughs> it away. Um, <laughs> And, and that's like, for me, that's that's what I really like about this idea of being able to get students really involved in this and, and to see it like much more deeply rather than just on the surface. This, you know, because you can read an article, you can you can watch a, you know, a three minute TikTok, whatever, right. you know, and see these ideas highlighted. But then that kind of disappears if, you know, if you see people's you know, yeah. livelihoods at risk because of let's say palm oil because you know why right. not that that's something that loves destroying indigenous communities um right. it, it might help you stop to think do you know what it might be an inconvenience for me to look and see if my shampoo has palm oil in it but maybe it's worth actually checking and not getting it and maybe even if you fancy it now this is what i quite like doing asking the people who work at the supermarkets 
why it's there. And obviously, they don't really have any choice. So it's okay to ask the manager as well. I mean, I'm not telling you to go into every single supermarket and, you know, have a go about everything. If you want to send an email, send a message, do send send letters yeah. to, to decision makers at these supermarkets. One perfect example I had was the other day, I went into a large French supermarket, actually, that we have here in Spain. Um, and there was a, a huge sign on the wall that said, Adios al plástico, which for those of you who don't speak Spanish means goodbye plastic. Um, I looked at this sign and I was like, yeah, that's definitely not greenwashing with it stood right in front of the sign, almost blocking the sign were the stack of platanos, which are not bananas, but they're almost bananas. They're very similar, which have come from the Canary Islands. So from Spain, technically wrapped in plastic costing three and a half euros a kilo. Like Now, I say the cost of living is quite good here, but the platanos are insane. It costs three euros 50 for a kilo. And as I say, they're wrapped in plastic. And right there, there's this sign that says, Adios al plástico. So I, I obviously questioned them. Um, but this, this particular institution, this particular supermarket, does have a history of, of actually making changes. Um, there are refill banks there, which are good. Um, and one day I went in there and saw they had the the Union Jack, which is the flag of the, the UK, of Great Britain. Or it's actually called the Union flag. The Union Jack's the ensign. But anyway, that's irrelevant. Um, and next to it, it said England. So I went and spoke to a few people and got the manager. And obviously, I was a right Karen about it. Um, I was like... <laughs> I was like, I'm really sorry, but this isn't the flag of England. You know, you can't go around, you know, tarring Welsh, or Scottish people, uh, Northern Irish people with the same brush. They're not all English. You know, they're not all English. It's okay. Um, and, you know, I, I sent an email to head office as well, and it's been changed, you know, so they wow. can make the changes. There are these suggestions, but it takes you to say that, you know, we need to say that. We need to be the people wow. to say this and and if people have seen somebody cutting down some bananas because that's what they do to, to eat them because maybe they grow in the rainforest they live in, they go up, they cut the bananas, they say, oh, look, there's no plastic on those. Why don't I send a suggestion saying there's no plastic on those where they come from? Right. Sorry, I got a bit uh, ranty I think, there. Yes, there's so many things that that you can do without, you know, quitting your job and becoming, you know, a earth warrior or whatever you want to call it. And, and I think giving the students a reason to do that and giving them ideas on how to do that and showing them how these, these global issues affect people differently in different ways, but how it, we're all in it together and, and talking to somebody at the supermarket or at your, at your school. I mean, so many times, the the schools will say we want to do sustainability education and then you go there and it's just an environmental nightmare like their their cafeterias are filled with single use plastic and their wastewater is not gray water and they're you know gray watered or it or they have terrible i don't know whatever landscaping practices and you're like wait a second you know, these are areas where the students can really ask for change and probably with pretty good success if the, if the school is really genuinely wanting to make a difference. So I think 
that's that's what we're trying to hope for in in what we do is getting them involved in a way that's really engaging and really fun and eye-opening but then having them bring it home bring it home we, we don't need you to go plant seedlings in the philippines although if you wanted to that's fantastic but what we really need is for you to equate this larger issue to your local setting and 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 feel empathy and motivation to to do something about it and yeah if you want to go out and plant a tree where you live go ahead that doesn't have to be the first step but do it why not it's a good step like yeah planting trees are great love planting trees um they're brilliant um in fact i'm actually fixing my my front garden as i mentioned Uh, i'm not a big diy person um, but I'm fixing it at the moment and we're fixing the vegetable patch because we want to have some more flowers in there. We want some lavender, bring the bees in. Gotta love the bees. Um, you know, just these these small things, but um, yeah. I, I got I sidetracked myself there and completely distracted myself <laughs> from what I was talking about. It was, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, well, you, think- you mentioned about schools and making differences within the schools um, once the students are inspired and their mindset is changing. And it's funny you should say that because one of the, the the key kind of inspirations into me leaving the the school system and the school classroom, I do still teach. I have many classes um, everywhere, but I'm not in an institution, as it were, though my wife often says I should be. But I think it's a different kind of institution. My point was that I had like a, a fifth grade class. They were they were a lovely class. Um, and we started talking about very simple things like recycling bins. And they didn't have any. Um, so what did they do? They made some out of cardboard boxes, which incidentally is the 1st of September, the first thing to do on the first day of the Sustainable September Challenge. Woo! But that was the first step that we did. And from that, we sort of started looking around at other things and it was every day when we got to school in the morning the air conditioning was on in every room in the whole building from eight o'clock in the morning until because it was controlled on the central system so what we simply did was ask the person who turned on the central system not to turn it on until at least nine when everybody was there and they could choose to turn it off straight away guess what they did it straight away so you know they're in school and they can see that they can implement this change um, but then there were other things as well like uh, solar panels on the roof in andalusia and, and what we did we just wrote a list of all these different things um including the recycle bins but mentioning that they were already made so they didn't have to buy new ones um you know so they sent this letter and lots of changes were made um the big one for me the big like the kicker was and it all came on World Environment Day, um, no, Earth Day, sorry, when they printed out pictures for all the kids to colour in and hold up for a photo off. And it was just like, nah, not okay. Um, but then, like, so the kids sort of, they saw this and they kind of, they pieced it together and they were like, and do you know what? The playground is really hot, but we're in the middle of the countryside, so we should be planting loads of trees around there. Bam, writing about the trees, you know, so they're writing about oh, all these different God. things. And the students are thinking of them and they're asking them. Now, it was a very privileged school. Don't get me wrong. I was working in a private school. So the good thing about that is if the students are complaining, then the parents are complaining. The parents are the ones paying the money. So things change a lot faster. 
If I like, heard that actually, um, you know, I was talking about that activist Bella Lack. She actually called it the trickle up activism, where mm -hmm. now it's the youth who are asking the older people to change. And I guess that's always been somewhat the case, like whatever in history. But now it seems to be really a thing. And and one other point to what you said, Harry, like sometimes we also struggle with this concept of just at the moment um, reaching more privileged people because we're trying to work on a model to how to bring our interactive adventures to communities and schools that can't afford because obviously we're a social business, so we have to use fees to pay mm -hmm. for our development. But um, w one really, really critical piece of information that people need to remember is that these indigenous tribes and these local communities are not the ones who are contributing the most to plastic pollution, <laughs> carbon. No, they're <laughs> contributing basically nothing. Like basically nothing. 4% in the Philippines. For, for climate change, plastic pollution, that's another problem. But but here's the thing is that the, the students and the families in these more privileged schools in these developed countries are the ones who can make the most change. They have to access to technology, power, uh, democracy <laughs> that's it well that's and, it you know you mentioned this and it is in these privileged schools are where the decision makers send their children you know absolutely. and if you can get through to a decision maker's child then perhaps you know that yeah. can that can trickle up um so you do have that and and what you said is absolutely true you know this this idea of climate education is a lot of it is very kind of westernized and it is our view of a lot of us looking at what we've done wrong to, to try and make things right in the future, you know, the way, because if you look at climate education from uh, an Indian standpoint, for example, um, I, I work very closely with uh, a, a guy, Ritik in India, um, and and he is in a highly climate affected area. You know, they, they had, we talked about a heat wave in Europe. <sighs> Let's not even go. Let's not even go there. Okay. You know it, it, exactly. Like I thought, what I was living through was 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 hell. But this was obviously a different layer because you know it was going to school in forty six, forty seven degrees. There's not air conditioning in their classrooms. There, there may be fans, but you know that's this isn't healthy. And um, and Ritik started an eco club there, and you know they they do all their things. They but the way they have to learn about it is completely different because. Absolutely. They're learning how to deal with and learn about these different things, but they don't have the opportunity to to speak to these decision makers who are causing the enormous issues in the world. Agreed. So agreed. We're on the same page. I think we have to remember that, you know, sometimes we, we feel like, oh, right now is our product elitist? Are we are we not reaching the right people? And I think actually we're, we're reaching exactly the right people. Uh, and, and at some point we will have the capacity to, to spread the word even further, but no, these are the, these are the, the people with clout. And I think yes. it's important to change mindsets in that group because that's going to cause the biggest ripple effect in my opinion. It, it definitely will. Um, 
and as you say, that is obviously not to say not everybody has an equal right to to climate education. Now, the reason with with renewable right, right. English, it's it is. It is free in in almost every aspect, you know. Other than the training aspects and the sessions that I run, um, I try and keep it free, and I try and give it to as, as many people as possible. Obviously, if I'm giving a training session, I'm not just going to be like, "Yeah, no worries, bro. I'll do it for free. It's all gravy." Um, but you know, got it. Man, got to eat. Um, yeah, but it is I that idea that it is. It's, it's so important to to. <laughs> to spread it as much as we can uh, and to Absolutely. make as much of a difference as we can. But, but as you say, sometimes, you know, my opinion, people don't want to hear what I have to say and my ideas on how to, to make these differences. They need to see other people doing it. They need to have this direct input. They need to have this connection with, with the, these communities and, and and what you're you're offering with these interactive guides through community the community is it's amazing it's it's super important um it's yeah it, and it's all structured and guided as well and it's not yeah. you know it's not the kardashians obviously it's 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 <laughs> not that but it's a proper structured guided way of looking at how how people live their lives and you know how it this global aspect is reflected. Yeah. And, and we, we are really also talking to definitely experts in the field also on how to um, really engage the communities on the stories they want to tell and be really um, respectful and, and guided by them on, on the stories that we tell, because stories are important and we don't want to, sail into this place and be like, we're going to tell this story about blah, blah. And it's not the story that is meaningful to them. Or so we're like, Raf just got back from the community last night and he'd been just talking to people and, you know, just literally just sitting on the beach and chatting with them so that we can be sure to tell the stories faithfully to the way that they're lived in these communities so that we're not making something up from an outsider perspective and being like, see, this is the way people live <laughs> and this is what you should do about it. So I think there's this real finesse in allowing somebody into a community and diving that deep into the, the way that they're doing things and keeping that respect and that, and that faithfulness to their story. And we're, we're trying very, our, our very best to, um, honor that and to do a really good job or or getting a lot of input from experts in that in that field to to make sure that we don't mess that part up <laughs> now what i love what you've you've said a few times you're talking obviously about experts external experts you know but what you also talk about are experts within the indigenous communities now this idea of of an expert we often look at it and think, oh, well, they've got their degree and their master's and, oh, a PhD as well, so they're an expert. Or, you know, she's been a library scientist for many years, so <laughs> she must be, obviously, you, you know, you, you've got the experience there. Um, but, you know, this idea of expertise, we we often skip a lot of, of people. You know, so yeah. 
you'll look at an indigenous community, you know, from the outside, and you think, well, they're uneducated because they haven't been to school, they haven't been to university. Like, no, they're not academically educated in the same way as you, and may not be able to point to Finland on a map. Um, I know a lot of people who couldn't anyway. Um, <laughs> but you know, maybe. But look at how they live. Look at how they use the land. Look at how they have survived there for centuries. These people are experts, you know. Look at their medicine. You know, no, they haven't been to university, but, you know, look at how they can use something they've they've found and and made and brewed to to cure things. You know, these are are expert things that they're doing. And, And on the flip side of that, well, no, not on the flip side at all, actually, just another branch of that. Um is we forget that our kids are experts as well. Yeah. This is something that I love about education. Um, and the biggest like change for me came before I was an educator, and that was a teacher telling me that, that he didn't know an answer um, and that he'd look for okay. it. Um, but also what that teacher would do would be ask the students. You know, So he was, in my, he was my politics teacher, which was, he was great. Uh, Matt Evans, a big shout out to... And Matt Evans, and you know, there were there were people in our class who had very different ideologies. There was one brilliant, like staunch communist, Ben Odoms, wonderful guy. Um, but the teacher would refer to him because he knew that he knew more in that area of, of politics. He would refer to him. He would ask him, you know, his ideas, his opinions, where he'd read it, and stuff like that. This was obviously before Google. He didn't just, you know, whack out his phone and be like. Where was Karl Marx born? Obviously, <laughs> uh, that was not a prepared question, by the way. That was certainly the first thing that came to my head. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so that aspect before I was even a teacher of listening to your students and, and listening to their ideas and listening to their opinions. Yeah. They can be experts. And I think that's something we saw at Change Now. Um, now we talked about the, you, you hear and saw when we talked about the future of education. We were talking about empowering youth, and then I actually talked about the power of youth a bit later on. Um, that actually the the following session, I think, um, and it was, you know, it was all about the power of youth, and we were speaking to these youth activists and these youth change, these young change makers, and I was just like, what. Learning all of these things. Now, I like to, to point to Malati Vishen, who, who obviously um, cleaned up uh, bar- plastic bags from Bali. Um, she's the head of Youthtopia and gets she's got all these um, youth change makers together in one place where they can all learn off each other. And, yeah. and Clover Hogan as well, who um, talks yeah. about eco-anxiety. Like I've learned so much from these people who are practically half my age. And I'm not ashamed when I go into a classroom and... You know, a, a, a seven-year-old tells me about a dinosaur. I've learned something about a dinosaur from a seven-year-old. It's brilliant. I get, I get a bit tired of Pokemon, don't get me wrong. I've learned a lot about Pokemon from young <laughs> students. Um, it's not the most useful information, but listening to those students in that moment and being interested will help them in future as well, be willing to approach their teachers, be willing to go over to their educators and say, hey, Guess what I learned about recycling yesterday? It's yeah. a big pile of, it's not a big pile of that, Pepe. You know, it could be construed as that, but, you know, it gets you there to talking and it gets them coming to you, asking you what they want to learn. This is one yeah. of the huge things that, 
that I, mm. again, I was talking to my daughter about it's, it's time to think about going back to school. And she's putting together her top tips. Um, I'm sure you've seen Ali's top tips, renewable English. They are the thing everybody likes. They're my daughter, you know, giving tips. And we were talking about this back to school thing. And she usually does five. Um, but this time she actually came up with six. So, you know, we talked obviously about, you know, use your backpack again and look through your pens and pencils to see which ones you need. And if you need new ones, look for plastic alternatives, um, get re a refillable bottle, all of these simple things. And, and the last one, you know, that literally had no input from me, which was good because she came up with this. So she said, what about talking to your teacher and telling them what you want to learn about this year to do with the planet? And I was just like, that's oh. a really good idea. Like, I try and encourage my students to do that and to ask me, but like, yes, for, like at the start of like the year, just say, hey, do you reckon we could talk about reforestation in the Philippines? Would that be cool? So good. And, and that leads to what we were talking about in in all settings which is have a voice like these students we want them to use their voices so if they start in their schools and they start with their teachers or they start with their fellow students like what do you want to learn about let's do a group project on you know whatever plastic upcycling and then yeah i think it's even that's let's watch a TikTok. i saw an awesome TikTok of how to upcycle a bottle into a flower pot Awesome. Do you reckon we can do this in art class, teacher? There you go. The teacher's like, brilliant. Don't have to plan anything. <laughs> they bring the materials in. They can lead the class. Like giving your students that autonomy, giving them, empowering them to, to not be afraid to ask, you know, yeah. to ask a question, but also to make a suggestion. And I'll tell yeah. you what, I, I love it. I love it when students come up with suggestions. So yeah, when when my nine-year-old daughter suggested doing that, I was like, yeah, do it. And you know what? The teacher might tell you no, um, but don't give up. There are going to be teachers who say no. So that's, again, why we need to be getting through to not just the kids, yeah. but also the educators to, to, to get them to be open to these ideas. They're, they're brilliant ideas. And that's how they are going to make a difference. Your students are going to make a difference by becoming empowered by finding their voice by being able to come and and talk about the these different ideas so as an educator you have the obligation to to let them to stand back and, and listen and and you know let them bring their suggestions in let them uh, let them tell you what they want to learn about because they they may not know about it but they want to learn so learn together yeah that's so that's such i mean i just wrote down listen so that students find their voice because i i just think sometimes we we forget like we think we're the ones that have the information and we're going to give the information to the students you're like no that's not really what we're here for yeah and, and in that sense i'll just throw this in because we've been throwing this word around a lot at make a difference lately is the word prompt like we want to prompt students in different ways to do different things. But I think if I, if I could say it again, it's like, I want to prompt them to use their voices to, to in a positive manner and not in a way of like, Oh, let's fight the system or everything's bad and broken. And Oh my gosh, it's a disaster. It's more like I have this, I have this voice and I have this power to do something and I'm going to use it and I've practiced it and 
Um, and it's a positive thing that I'm capable of. I think it just, it, it just feels like a gift to students. Like you said, well, just yeah, as a, listen to as them. a teacher in that environment, giving them that first platform to go in there and make their mistakes or not make their mistakes, but giving them that place to come and be listened to. I'm a, uh, I work very closely with kids against plastic. Um, Amy Meek was speaking about microplastics at the at change now. Um, and they have a connect every Saturday where the kids come in and they have cat voices where the kids can talk for, for two minutes to five minutes about something that they find interesting about plastic, about the environment. And it's that safe space where they can go there. They can make mistakes and they've made mistakes and you can see what they want to learn from. And you can, you know, you can see this, that, and the others. It's important for them to have that kind of first platform and, and being there to be a teacher, to also guide with the these ideas so i like to think of um the three e's i like to now definitely uh i'm not talking about these three e's a few times this year but i will be um <laughs> uh, engage empower and enact now it could be eea it could be act but you know you engage your students first you get them you know you you get them interested and then that prompts the empowering you know the i think yeah. prompting includes the engaging and empowering altogether. And you're giving them that that platform to use that voice to to say what they they want to say. If it is joining a climate strike and screaming at the top of their lungs, go ahead, do it. I think that's brilliant. There's nothing better than you know the collective action and being in that being in that kind of protest atmosphere with people around you who do want to make a difference, but in a peaceful, positive protest. Um, and then, yeah, enact would be going and doing it. So you've empowered them. They've got the confidence to do that. You know, you've given them ideas of what to say what to do who, how to be around other people there how to find your your crowd and and then going on and doing it and enacting on that and and you don't all have to be that that change maker you don't have to be greta you don't have to be there right. you can be you can be an artist you know you can do your speaking with art you can do your you can be an inventor you can be an investor um i'd love to be an investor i just <laughs> It's got about you seven euros in my bank. I'm just like, how am I going to pay the mortgage at the end of the month? Sure, there's a way. There must be a way. Um, there must be some way in this corrupt economic system that we can borrow more money than we can afford, he says, talking about a mortgage. Um, so, yeah, obviously, none of us are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, I love what you're saying, though, about the, the idea of, like, engage empower and then enact or act i think that's if we as teachers can do even a little bit of that then i think it's a it's a day well spent yeah now i see that the teacher philly has just arrived now he's a, an audio technician um he laughed a lot at my last show which went horribly wrong um exactly the same happened today but in very different circumstances so he's probably going to be the tech genius who adds the jingle at the start and the end He'll probably also add the proper news clip. Um, but as I can see him there, I am going to make sure he knows that I am reading the news um, uh, and uh, and so on. So I would like to say in this brief interlude, with a Slack group, are a leading provider of specialist education and care. They need people like you to help them achieve even more. Uh, with a Slack, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. 
Widderslack currently have some fantastic career opportunities available to apply for. Check out widderslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. Um, and yeah, Phil, uh, as I said, uh, the it's not the jingle's not working for me, man. It's not working. Uh, hopefully, it might work at the end. I've, I've exited. I've re-uploaded. Um, but I apologise. Should be a simple snip at the start and at the end. Uh, I would do it for you, but tomorrow I'm absolutely snowed under. Um, <laughs> so, so thanks, Phil, in advance. Um, sorry about that, Suji. That was a uh, just a bit. Of, it's what happens with live radio from time to time. Um, I go off on tangents. Quite often to do with technology. Certainly has been the last two shows. Um, but yeah, we can add the jingle later, no problem. You see, where would we be without Phil? Um, and of course, girl. Graham Stanley. <laughs> yeah, I've just done two thumbs. Nobody can see that because it's the radio, Harry. Why have you put two thumbs up? <laughs> I, <laughs> I would I like. I was doing that a lot while we were yeah, chatting. Yeah. I was like, yeah, thumbs up. And I was like, Whoop, nobody can see that. <laughs> yeah, it does happen. It does happen. Um, yeah, so I blamed my my technical failures last week on me losing my lucky headphones, which I did do, which I had oh. used for my first 50 episodes. Um, they're gone. Uh, I, I found some new ones in a charity shop. Nice. They cost one euro, so they, I, I disinfected <laughs> them very well. Uh, they had the, the change things in a bag. Um, I got them for one euro. They are one euro quality. I can, oh. I can just about hear you, but I can hear you. Um, and I have recorded a different podcast with these headphones already. So I think I've already got my money's worth. That's a, that's to say. And I've definitely got my money's worth with you today. Um, I've paid you absolutely nothing. So I apologize for that. <laughs> I so to say, I'm for, not sure that's a, that's a compliment. <laughs> I just realized that might have sounded really horrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've definitely got my free amount worth. No, um, your time is worth more than money, Suji. And I absolutely am. I don't want to sound like one of those podcast hosts who it's radio, not podcast anyway. One of those radio hosts who is a horrible sycophant and just only says really nice things about their guests. <laughs> well, I can't think of anything bad to say about you anyway. Um, and I, I mentioned it at the start. Uh, you have... A wonderful energy about you it's something i noticed now i'm not hugely into you know the moon and 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 its omens and and what stars do for 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 where we are but i do feel like you know our happenstance the serendipity of meeting you while we may not collaborate on anything together physically or or otherwise i feel emotionally i my life is in a better place for meeting you um and as a human i feel better for for having met you so yeah and and a big thing but i mentioned earlier that she she makes she she seems to care about everything and and i wanted to get onto that that it's the the personal aspect so when we spoke you know the the night before i was speaking at the at the event it changed out she came along and she took pictures and she sent pictures for me you know i just met her the day before that's the personal level that she cares about and i love it and thank you so much oh and hey, there's my I dog saying thank you as well sorry i interrupted you my my dog likes to say thank you especially when phil's around so um <laughs> i'm gonna let you speak and i'm gonna go on mute now oh i just wanted to thank you i feel so much the same way i just 
you, you rocked up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a, a happy person making happy changes in the world and they're fun to be around and they're full of good ideas and they're, and renewable English is such a brilliant idea and, and executed well. And uh, I just, you're everywhere and uh, I'm just in awe. So I think, um, I think we're both lucky. Absolutely. Um, and on that note, because yeah, my dog, Phil just said in the chat, your dog likes me. Definitely <laughs> does. Every time Phil joins, the dog's like, Rah, Phil's here. <laughs> I said to my wife, she's, she's, we were very lucky in the area we live. There's a, there's a, a park not far away. Um, they've, they've, she's carpooled down there with a few other families um, down to a park because we've got outdoor cinema um and i think it, it's a magic show tonight or something like that so it's uh as they left i said can you please make sure the dog stays inside with me so she doesn't make a noise but um that didn't happen that but didn't it's okay happen. you know as many no. things don't go exactly things go. don't happen in life uh they often do happen as well but sometimes they don't um, oh. but what did happen was we spoke together I, I, as always, have learned a lot from you. I'm looking forward to, to looking more deeply into, um, into MAD. Uh, one day I would love to come and plant seeds in the Philippines. Um, um, yes. If I'm ever in the region, I'll definitely be going over there to, to go and plant some seeds. It's, uh, it's on my list. Sadly, my list is growing and growing and growing. And I'm just like, how do I get a train to the Philippines? It's really hard. I know you and I spoke about that. Um, we definitely, I've definitely canceled a few trips in the next coming months because of that. And um, I, I, it's all, it's something we all have to balance. So yeah. I, I hear you. Only the, only the essential, only the essentials. Yeah. But again, banning, I don't want to get into it now because there's only a couple of minutes, but oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> flights, <laughs> it, the problem, the thing that makes me so angry is flights go whether you're on them or not um they could, yeah. like particularly with budget airlines even if they're completely empty they're gonna fly them anyway so that's what it's one of my horrible conundrums that i deal with it's one of the one of my shower thoughts you know how can we change this <laughs> i think if we start by banning private jets then maybe those people who had private jets might have to fill up those seats at the very least so there you go i you know Ryanair don't have to miss out on any of their of, of their fees, and we can just stop these endless flights uh, on private jets. But on that thought, okay. I'm going to say thank you. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. Um, I hope to speak to you again soon. Otherwise, I know we will be all over the socials. Um, uh, and I wish you well in, in everything going forwards. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Harry, and thanks for everything. And I wish you the same. I know you've got a lot of different things going on and um i can't wait to hear more about them soon thank you so much um but yeah thank you so much for listening everybody i'll be back in a few weeks um take it easy enjoy your summer you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio